welcome. I'm back. Some of you are like, oh no, Jed, I was counting on another week. No, I am back. Oh, let's just say that that stomach bug that I told you that Hartley had, I don't know if you guys were tuning in last week, but Hartley essentially got something. I don't know what it was. I don't know how to describe it. It was something. Before I can blink, Jeremy's got it. Before he can blink, I've got it. I'm like, what's going on? What is going on? I don't get sick very often, so I was not happy. It's not a happy camper. was texting these guys here a little bit saying, oh, got to be out. Hate missing work, but I'm better. I'm better. That's the important thing. I have to tell you something. So I don't know if you remember, Tyler. You're going to love this. Last week, you know I'm an 80s girl. We talk about it all the time. Last week, I said, I thought I was going to have a great weekend. I didn't know I was going to get this bug. So I was like, I'm going to watch Desperately Seeking Susan. I've got the 90s. I've got, the, I've got it ready to go. I find out. Okay. I, now, you know I grew up Desperately Seeking Susan. Like, I thought I was Madonna in that movie. We right. talked about the pyramid jacket. We all bonded over that moment. I go home and I find out. My husband doesn't know I'm sharing this story. Hi, Jer. I find out that my husband grew up in the house that's featured in that movie. Can you imagine? I nearly died. And he was just like, oh, I didn't know that. His aunt told me. And I was like, of course, it was before it was renovated. It was after they shot the movie. My husband's younger than I am. And I was just like, it's basically the house that um, the couple, not Madonna's character, Roberta, the character that kind of wants to be Madonna, has this house in New Jersey. And it's my husband's house. I'm like, you walked in the rooms that Madonna was in in that movie. I just went back. I regressed back to a little girl. I've never been so jealous of my husband, aside from his hair. He has fantastic hair. Always jealous of that, Jeremy. But that was my news over the weekend that I was like, I was blown away. I was blown away. How cool is that? I mean, that would be like your favorite movie ever. I don't know what that is. And the the set and your girl is like, oh, yeah, I lived there as a kid. You would nearly faint, no? I, all I can think of is the house from, like, Fast and Furious. They have this one house that all the, all the families go to and all the cars sit out front of them. You going to have them take you back? Well, you know, it's been renovated since. doesn't look like that anymore. I'm going to need to, you know, I wish they would have just left it alone. When Madonna touches things, you leave them. You don't mess with that. I need to know where she sat, the tub. Oh, if it was all still looking like that, that would have been something. But that was my cool story over the weekend. Um, We're going to get to some hot topics today. I want to remind you guys all, as always, to hit your subscribe button. You're here. You're with me. We're all in this together. You got to hit that subscribe to show some extra love. It would make me so, so, so happy. Maybe it would help me get that pyramid jacket one day. Who knows? Or a DeLorean for the set. You, You know you want it. You know you want it. All right. So the other thing I want to get into today, today's show is going to be a little bit different. And we're going to be here on Friday also this week. I know that throws the schedule a little bit, but I want to make up that show. We have a lot to cover this week. A lot's going on in the news. And I was set. I had like a stacked show of all, you know, news topics. And something happened to me over the weekend that made me really think about the importance of having this conversation with you. Um, and, and you're going to have to bear with me for a second. You know, I'm going to go back in my history a little bit, but it's important. It's so important. There is something very, very broken in this country. It's not just on the left. It's on the right. It's on the left. And it's bad for us. And what that is, is that people are existing in these little bubbles where they don't want to hear other points of view. They're becoming increasingly like, get out of my way if you disagree with me. It's breaking up families. It's breaking up friendships. And I want to just go back and tell you a couple of stories. And then I'll get to this weekend and why this triggered this moment for me. But this epidemic, you talk about like a pandemic. (laughs) This is a pandemic. It's a pandemic of, of an inability to just listen to someone you disagree with. Just hear their point of view, have a real conversation, have friends, have family members that you may not see eye to eye on everything. If we can't do that, we're in some serious, serious trouble here. So I'm putting the hot topics aside for a moment, and I want to share something with you. When I was younger, I was in my 20s, and this, this theme has kind of come with me throughout my life. I was in my 20s. I was working at a bar. I don't know if you've ever worked at a bar. Hard work. I think I shared with you it was a two-story lounge. Bar was downstairs. All the tables were upstairs. It was a lot of work. 
But I met someone there, a friend of mine uh, at the time. She was great. We clicked. I'm not someone typically who clicks with new people, but we did. You know how it is sometimes, work in the same shifts, kind of in the same scene. Um, We became friends. And I, I wasn't talking about politics a lot back then. I was in the restaurant business. I was thinking about doing some acting. It was before I even taught school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a floater. I was like, I went to grad school. I have a master's degree. I don't want to use. What do I do? And I just kind of floated around. So we went out to dinner one night, and we got into politics, which was very odd. She felt very differently from me about everything. She was a really hard left, you know, makes Bernie Sanders kind of look like a a conservative kind of gal, which was okay. I didn't know all that at the time, but we kind of had a great conversation. And I went home thinking like, wow, I learned something new about her. Didn't affect how I saw her or like didn't affect me wanting to or not wanting to be her friend. I thought it was really healthy. It felt really healthy for me to have that conversation and like be challenged and didn't get contentious at all. No arguing. Well, I got up the next day and I'll never forget it. I had gotten a message from her that said that she felt violated. I'll never forget that word. She felt violated by my opinions. Violated. And it kind of shook me. We had been friends for several years. I couldn't imagine what I had said (laughs) that was so out there to her or that was so, would cause someone to use the word violated. And truthfully, it wrecked the friendship. She kind of dropped me like a hot potato after that. And it was, it was one of those moments where, yes, you're like, that wasn't really your friend. But that doesn't make it any easier to kind of swallow in the moment. And you're like, what's going on here? Because I grew up in New York City. I was always outnumbered. I even wrote a book called Outnumbered. I always was somebody who listened to other people talk about politics and stuff. And I didn't agree, but it was all right. You know, they were my friends. We had common interests. We had this or that. So this was really new. That was the first time I really felt someone kind of say, you see the world differently, and I I just, that's not going to work for me. Okay. A couple of years later, I started doing Fox News hits, and I had another friend at the time. We'd been friends for four or five years, um, and I, I, I never made Facebook political at the time. It was my personal page. She was very political, and I knew that about her. Her Facebook was kind of covered and all this stuff, you know. Occupy Wall Street at the time was big, I remember. Pro-abortion rallies. There was, it was just littered with all of this stuff. And I would see some of it and be like, oh, man, I don't agree with that. But whatever. It was what it was. That was part of who she was. She was passionate about it. And I, my page had nothing on it like that. It was just, you know, pictures of my family, <laughs> my friends going out. And I remember that when I posted, uh, when I started doing Fox, I started just promoting those appearances. And I would just say, like, hey, I'm heading on Sean Hannity show at nine, whatever, whatever the time was at the time. I'll never forget, got a message from her. I can't be friends with someone who who would go on Fox News. I said, you don't even know what I'm going to say. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Didn't matter. Did not matter. That tunnel needed to be maintained. That tunnel of like, these are the people who see the world the way I do. This person is over here. I'm uncomfortable. Really, that quickly, I was just sort of cycled out. Wasn't as as pronounced as the former situation where it was like, I can't talk to you ever again. But I was clearly not part of the team after that. So those were two experiences that I kind of swallowed and I started to realize something was wrong. And when I wrote my book Outnumbered, I actually wrote about being able to walk in someone else's shoes and look around and experience the world, you know, and have these conversations and not be like willing to cut people off because I realized this was real. This was real and this was happening. Um, Now you fast forward a bunch of years and you remember I was on The View. Um. I got fired from that job. That's public, right? I don't know the details as to why. But regardless, it was not, it wasn't an easy pill to swallow, that firing, because I went to work one day and didn't have a job the next with no explanation. So you might imagine that you might be, hmm, what happened there? Regardless, I made a decision when I left that I was going to not take that out on, you know, producers or cast. I kind of kept close with them. And I kind of said to myself, you know what? I knew there was somebody in that establishment who's not there anymore who was just a bad seed. And I knew something pretty sinister had gone on and had nothing to do with me. 
and or my work. And I kind of just made a decision to take the high road on that, which is why you'll never be able to find any go, go ahead, Google it. You'll never be able to find me, you know, saying bad stuff about the show when I left. That's just not who I am. That's not the game I play. When I'm done, I'm done. Move on. Smile. Don't take that negative energy with you. You may remember, I, I stayed in touch with, with the ladies for a long time, actually right up until I appeared last year. Um, and if you'll remember, I went on the show and we all saw that unfold. I get on the show. I just have a different opinion about what is apparently a sacred cow, which is the vaccine. Heaven forbid anyone disrupt Big Pharma's sleep. And suddenly I was the enemy. I was the bad guy. It was like misinformation, shut shut down, end the segment, you're a bad person. Really all I was saying was, hey, everyone make your own decision. This is not ideal for me. I don't need it. It's not been advised for me. So at that moment, I also realized, hmm, if you touch one of these sacred topics and you, you, you kind of tread on that, you'll be excommunicated in two seconds too. Why, why couldn't we have that conversation? I was left thinking. You invited me on. Why couldn't we sit and, and debate that out? would have been a great topic to sit and hear people pro-mandate, anti-mandate, that fantastic conversation for that moment in time where the mandates were just coming out. People felt very differently. There were people around the country who loved it, who hated it. That was a moment for different points of view to gather and to talk. Nope, couldn't have it. For whatever reason, that topic was sacred. I think there are other topics like that. I think the topic of gender. I think the topic of race. I think there's certain untouchables And if you touch them, you're going to get burned. Someone's going to just burn you up. They're going to burn you up. So that was my moment to be burnt up. But I I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, all these years of just maintaining that respectful, like polite, up in a minute. Now, this doesn't only happen on the left, okay? The reason I'm bringing it up is because it's also seeping into the right. Do I think it happens more times on the left? I do. Do I think it has happened more in my life from folks on the left? I do. That's my personal experience. But you may also remember that I worked at Fox News, okay? I wasn't always popular toward the end. I took an opinion. I felt like Trump sometimes got in his own way with the tweets and all that stuff. I didn't like all the personal attacks. I felt like it distracted from some of the really good policy work that he was doing. And I kind of wanted him to just be like, can you just give yourself a minute, sit back and let that positive moment happen. So I shared it. I'm an opinion person. That's my job. I also didn't see evidence of a stolen election. And I was, I was asking. So I made it my job to come out and say, okay, Prove it to me. Show me. Where is it? You know, I'm not seeing in the court documents. I'm not seeing that this happened. I'm not, they're not alleging this in court. So I was asking, you know, folks like Jenna Ellis and like, hey, like, why aren't they making this allegation in court if it's true? What's going on here? I was really, truly, when I say this, truly trying to just get to the bottom of what was going on and why was there this discrepancy between what I was being told by GOP governors and what the president was saying and was there something wrong here? Maybe there, maybe there was something stolen and I needed to, I was missing something. So it was like, what am I missing? What's going on here? Well, that led to me being excommunicated by some in the conservative movement. It wasn't a popular position with everyone. And I saw an instant like change in some people like, she's a traitor. She's a traitor. Get her out of here. She's, she's an anti-Trumper, which if you listen to my commentary was absurd because I was agreeing with him. 90% of the time. No one agrees with anyone 100% of the time. That's just, then you're a robot or you're a paid or unpaid spokesman for the, for the person in office, which I wasn't, right? So that was a moment for me that was, that was challenging because I was like, I had gone through my whole life thinking, oh, this is, this is something that happens on the left. And it wasn't just something happening on the left. This was now something happening on the right as well. That's a problem, right? Especially because, in my view, people on the right have been really good about talking about diversity of thought on college campuses and all of these things that have been championed for so long. And now I was seeing in my own life, wow, when it comes time to actually just have an opinion that doesn't quite jive, man, there were a lot of people with big microphones that were ready to throw me right off that Titanic. I mean, really. So it was was a learning experience and an important one. Now, I'm sharing this with you because this past weekend, 
you know, you know, my Instagram, I don't know if you know, was always very uh, apolitical these last few months, with the exception of my book tour, where I put some stuff related to the vaccine, because that was a hot topic. People wanted me to talk about the mandates because of that moment on The View. Most of it's just pictures of me and the baby and all that. Well, we're doing a show now, and I've been promoting that content. And I was, I was surprised that a couple of people I know very well um, hit their unfollow button. And the reason I knew was because they told me. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise, but they had to let me know. Unfollow because I just can't, I can't see this content. I can't see it in my feed. I just, I can't see it. You know, one of these people was someone I've known my whole life. So what's interesting about it, too, is those two people literally vomit political content 24 hours a day on social. I never say anything. I don't agree with any of it. Truthfully, any of it. Maybe there's a picture once in a while that I'm like, oh, that's a fun picture. But it would never occur to me again to say, I can't have it in my in my tunnel because I don't have a tunnel. I don't have a tunnel. So the reason I'm sharing this with you is because this stuff is breaking us as people. It's breaking us. If you are now a person that can't handle different opinions, you are regressing. You're going back into childhood. You're becoming small, not big. Your backbone is getting broken. You're not growing a backbone. And I think it's, it's preventing us from, on issues, from just remembering like there's good and bad people on both sides of this debate, on this issue. Okay, let's hear what they have to say. I'm not saying you're not going to encounter somebody that's just a bad person and you're like, wow, this was a terrible debate experience. That's just a bad, you, you will. There are bad people out there. But there are also good people who just see things differently and you can sit at a table and you can have a conversation and you can break it down and you must You must, you must have those conversations or how are you going to get from point A to point B, B being the solution? What are you going to say to your kids? Walk through life in a bubble? That's why kids can't handle anything anymore because when they go into school and they hear a different point of view, they're not used to it. They're used to their parents telling them, well, maybe their parents say, I only follow people on social media who agree with me. So now that kid's got that idea that that's what life should look like. That's crazy. It's damaging. It's distressing. And it's not helping anyone. And I understand that there are whole business models that are built off this. Cable news is built off of this idea. You, you, fight, go, end of story. They're trying to, they're trying to make money. They're trying to make money. They're carving out an audience. It's all about the cash, okay? It needs to be about more that, more than that for me, for you. And I'm sharing this because when I talk about groupthink, I want to remind people on the right, don't become what you hate on the left. Don't become that. Don't become it. And there's going to be people you meet in your life that maybe you share a hobby. Maybe you like to swim. Maybe your kids like to hang out together. Maybe you grew up together in the same school and you have a shared past. Maybe whatever. There's going to be commonalities that you shouldn't sacrifice because you don't like somebody's stance on climate change that day. Think about it. Think about how many good people you stand to lose in your life. Maybe someone's a great friend to you, loyal and honorable and someone you can count on, but their politics are different. That might bug you at your core. Maybe you feel like, oh, they're responsible for some of the demise of America deep down inside. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can. But you know them. You know them as people. And you should be able to say, that's a good person. I'm going to have those conversations. And you know what? Maybe we'll, maybe, maybe I'll change a mind or two. Or let's see where it goes. You can't shut out those moments. And this was just a a trigger moment for me because I feel like we're creating, I always talk about safe spaces for kids, and now I feel like we have these adult safe spaces. And it's like social media is becoming representative of that. It's like, I only follow people I agree with, and I can only see this. I have to unfollow. I remember people writing me with the Trump stuff, which was funny because I supported Trump. (laughs) Everyone was like, you voted for Joe Biden. No, I did not. Honey, I never voted for a big government anything in my life. You can check the records on that. But I also wasn't going to not ask questions that needed to be asked. You know how many people were like, unfollow, unfollow. 
you can't claim to be a beacon of diversity of thought if you're advocating for that type of shut it down. And you know what instead would have been a great thing? Answer me. Respond. Hey, Jed, I think you're wrong about this. And here's why. I was open to that. That's what I wanted. That's what I always want, even sitting here with all of you. I want you to say, hey, have you thought about this? And that's why we're going to have guests on that I agree with and I disagree with. So what I'm here to say about that is these media bubbles, these groupthink bubbles, they're unhelpful, and they're not just unhelpful, they're dangerous. So you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision today. Do you want to be someone who lives in a bubble, who only talks to people you agree with, who shuts out everyone else, regardless of whether they may be kind, whether you may be able to learn something from them, whether they may be able to help you grow as a person, or do you want to be someone who walks with your head held high in 2022 and says, you know what, this is what I believe, this is what I feel, and I feel so confident in that, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to have this conversation with this other person who feels really confident in how they believe, and let's see, won't it be interesting to see if even in that there's 1% of common ground? Let's see. If not, let's have it out. Let's have it out peacefully, respectfully, let's have it out. Decide who you're going to be decide who you're going to be, but the whole world is watching and your kids are watching. And it's a very, very important thing for them to learn to build themselves up through these conversations. Now, one of the things that I'm scared of, and I use that word because I am legitimately scared sometimes for the world my kids growing up into, is that if we don't fix this, and I'm asking you, You wouldn't be here, I'm talking to you audience, you wouldn't be here listening to this show, to this show if you didn't care about this issue, if you weren't willing to have conversations because you know me, I've made everyone mad at some point or another and you wouldn't be here for a conversation that I'm holding if you didn't believe that you were gonna agree with me sometimes, disagree with me sometimes and that was okay. I know that, so I'm asking you to take the leadership on this in your own house, in your own families. Because if we don't, here's what happens. Take a look at this. This is old. This is from 2020, but I want to bring it up. It's from the Cato Institute. I don't want this to get worse. 62% of Americans say they have political views they're afraid to share. Afraid to share. Let's take a look at this. A new Cato national survey finds that self-censorship is on the rise in the U.S. Remember, this is in July of 2020. Nearly two-thirds, 62% of Americans say the political climate these days prevents them from saying things they believe because others might find them offensive. How sad. If you scroll down a little more, something interesting. Strong liberals stand out, however, as the only political group, shocking Tyler, who feel they can express themselves. Now, we laugh, but why is that? There's a reason for that. The reason is that strong liberals, and by the way, it's not the same. The article points out centrist liberals do not fall into that category. Centrist liberals are more afraid to speak their mind. The reason strong liberals feel comfortable is because when liberals come out, strong liberals, reliable liberals, they're usually backed in their opinions by big establishment organizations, Nike, Hollywood, an award show, Disney, You know, so they feel supported. They feel like I've got, they're not coming out like one person out there. Hey, by the way, it's not like that. Social media influencers, you know how this works. It's like almost like, you know, Silicon Valley, all of these bigs come out and usually endorse those talking points. So that's why strong liberals typically feel comfortable because they don't feel alone. They don't feel alone. They feel very much supported by very powerful groups when they speak their minds. But everyone else, do you want to live in a world where people are afraid to say how they feel? I don't. I want to hear. If Tyler feels differently from me and jumps in and says, hey, you know what? I don't think he is well. He knows that. He's welcome to do that in this space. Jorge, we'll mic you. Anyone, really, I I welcome that. That shows me you're thinking, A, you're listening to what I'm saying, so thank you. You've got at least open ears. And secondly, you're thinking for yourself. Amazing. I wouldn't, if you agreed with me every step of the way, that's called a robot. I don't need a robot. That does me no good. You know I hate AI. And there's more. There's more on this that I'm scared of. I kept looking. Once I started and I found that from the Cato Institute, I went to YouGov. This is also from 2020. This has also gotten worse. Look at this. 
Americans are less likely to have friends of very different political opinions compared to 2016. They went back to 2016. Nearly a quarter of Democrats, 24%, say they're not friends with anyone who holds very different political views from them. A 14-point rise from when YouGov asked the same question in September 2016. Independents show an eight-point increase, while Republicans have not changed significantly in the last four years. Do you see this stuff is moving in a bad direction? It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Now, why is it getting worse? Well, I think one of the reasons is social media, because social media kind of keeps people in these little bubbles. I think cable news is part of the problem. Everyone says, oh, well, you know, there's diversity of thought on cable. No, there's not. Come on, man. There's not. There's not. There's an agenda. We all know every cable news network has one. And then there's, you know, your four conservatives or your one liberal or your four liberals. Or your one. You know how this works, right? You know how it works. It's not a real conversation. There's no time. Even if they wanted to have it, there's no time with the restrictions there. So this stuff is moving in a direction that we don't want it to move in. People are getting more afraid to speak their minds. People are less inclined to, to, to become friends with or to converse with or to reach out to someone of a, of a different political opinion. That's all bad. One of the reasons that I'm here doing this is because when I went on PBD, and Patrick knows this, we had a conversation. We had a real conversation. We didn't agree on everything. Adam and I don't agree a lot. We know that. But it felt like a real moment and a real exchange. I walked away from that experience and I said, we need to do this more. Meaning, yes, us as a team, but in the country. I need to do it more at home. I need to do it more with friends. And my hope is that people will receive it well, although based on my Instagram experience this past weekend, I don't know. And I'm curious, before we, you know, shift a little bit, Tyler, because you're, you're in a younger bracket than I am, do you see this among people your age? Is it bad? Is there a resistance to having conversations with people who see the world differently? Or is this something that's manifested in, in an older generation more, in your opinion? No, I think it's certainly both. Um, I have family members who I'm terrified to have conversations with because they, they can't have their opinions changed they're very set in their ways it's like yeah i'll have the conversation but i know that ultimately it's not going to go anywhere it's just going to be a fight as opposed to a discussion i'm listen i'm all for having discussion have an open mind have your opinions changed i'm not going to sit there and fight with you but like you say on instagram all the times i see people saying if you voted for trump if you're a conservative if you're this that and the other just unfriend me don't follow me don't talk to me don't nothing and it, it really goes to show how I mean, maybe this is obvious, but it goes to show just how pervasive human nature is. Like, we thought we could get past this tribalism. <laughs> right. We thought we could all come together, be a community, work together, talk with each other. And it, you, you can. It just ultimately reverts back to tribalism. And it's going to be interesting to see how we move past it, if we can. And it also showcases, you're right, like our weaknesses as human beings, right? We, we all have this chip sometimes where we, it's a little bit of an internal fight. You're like, oh, I can't believe they're saying that. Believe me. Believe me, I struggled a lot after that incident on The View. I struggled a lot because I felt like I was now in a position where I had always been that person of like, let's sit at the table, let's talk it out. But I felt like if the other side had a chance to bury me, forget it, they would. I actually felt like when it came to a matter, I mean, something so simple as me just saying, hey, my doctor says this isn't for me, end of story simple fact that I repeated from the CDC, the vax can get and spread COVID, so the mandates are unjustified. That should have just been a simple debate. But I felt at that moment like, wow, they'll bury me without blinking. Mm -hmm. So I need to come out and be like them. There was a moment I had where I was like, I need to be like that. And then I caught myself and I said, oh no, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. And the, and the reason was I was really lucky because sitting in front of me on every one of those appearances that I did, including that one, and I'll never forget that day, is that little picture of my cover of my book with me and my little boy. And I looked at that kid's smile and I said, mm -mm, I have some bigger job to do than that moment on The View. I need to teach my kid that you walk away from that and you're still somebody who wants to sit and have a conversation. But it took a lot. It took a lot. So I don't know what that moment's going to be, Tyler, but... For the next generation, I have to hope that the people listening in their 20s 
in there, you know, if you're in high school, you're in college, whatever you are, that you say to yourself, I will miss out on a wealth of wonderful people and wonderful opportunities if I create a bubble for myself and I will also miss out on becoming a whole person because you're going to be a quarter of a person in there getting pat on the back for every opinion. Oh, yeah, I'm right all the time. No, you need someone to say, have you thought about the fact that you might be wrong? That's what builds a human being. That's what turns a little person uh, a, a toddler, uh, an infant into an adult one day. So I hope, I hope everyone's thinking about this. It's an important issue, I think. Um, and I'll, sh- I'll do this from time to time, share these, these personal stories. I think they're important. Another topic where I feel like people cannot say their minds, one in particular, actually, that I think manifests right out of this naturally is what's going on with the gender debate. This is an area where, and there have been others, the vaccine was another one. Vaccine was area number, you couldn't talk about it. You couldn't, even if it was just statistical fact, that was a problem. Okay. So now we have another area that's emerged, and that's the topic of gender, where you have the silencing, active silencing happen, happening. Now, let, let me share a little bit where this, this gender debate for me started in a place where I actually saw the common ground. Now, I don't know if you guys remember where this started. Oftentimes, people talk about this in light of the bathroom situation and would you let you know, boys into girls' bathrooms. For me, it actually started in a very different place, in the toy store. I don't know if people at home remember these conversations that were happening in toy stores, but it was essentially, you know, you walk into a Toys R Us, say, and you would see you know, the girls' aisle and the boys' aisle, and they were very specific, right? You walk down the girls' aisle, and it was like a lot of Barbie dolls, and you walk down the boys' aisle, and you'd see all the, like, trucks, and it was a very specific marketing campaign that was done in toy stores for a very long time. And people had a problem with that, because they were like, hey, wait a minute, why, like, who's to say that a boy's not going to want to play with a doll in aisle four, and a girl's not going to want to play with a truck in aisle six? Like, this, it looked, it bothered people. And I was one of the people who understood that because I grew up as a tomboy. I grew up, I never had a Barbie. I wasn't one of those kids that like little girls that had like the doll and the fake stroller and it was like, my baby. I was like getting my knees scraped. Like you had to prevent me from like going into abandoned construction sites. I loved like hanging out with the guy, like the boys. They, you know, we would, you know, if it, w- if, if it wasn't like, Injury prone, I hate to say it, I wasn't interested. I did have some Cabbage Patch Kids and some Smurfs, but that was about it. So I was, I didn't fit into that aisle. Like I would walk down and be like, I don't want any of this stuff, you know? Is there like a water gun that I can like squirt someone real hard in the head with? That's what I was looking for. Nerf balls that like, oh, these are too soft. I need one that's really gonna clock them. That was me, honestly. So I understood that that part of the debate and and it and it made me think like hmm why do we have these kids in these little boxes where there's an expectation when they're little that they're going to play with this and if they don't there's something wrong or you know and I remember that episode from friends where I think it's Ross's kid wants to play with the doll and he has like a he wants him to play with something that's more the like G.I. Joe the GI Joe or- yes and I love when the youngins let know the friends episodes that warms my heart I love it I've I I have three shows I watch. Friends is two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I love Friends. Yeah. Love Friends. And that's an episode where I don't know if you guys know in the audience, but, you know, Ross's kid wants the, I think it's a Barbie doll or some type of doll. And he's like, no, no, G.I. Joe. So that kind of was like, why? Leave the kid alone. You know, kids don't understand. They just want to play with what they want to play with. They're not reading into it the way, a, that's an adult problem. We read into everything and then we make them paranoid. Kids don't come into the world paranoid. That's us. Um, so I, I got it. I got it. And, and I was there with everybody on that conversation. And then all of a sudden you blink and it's like, well, there, you know, a boy's not a boy and a girl's not a girl. And you're like, you lost me. You lost me. Right. Cause now biology, you not only does biology not exist, like you can't, but you can't say it exists or you're banned. So And now you have a whole segment of the population that is on that initial same page. People who were like, hey, live the life you want to live. I don't care. You know, do what you want. Who, you know, supported, you know, had gay friends and had this. And and we're like very open minded and very live and let live. And we're very like, hey, yeah, the toy store is dumb. Why is it divided? Who cares? Let kids play. They were all there. But now those people, those very same people are being censored because they're just saying, hey, um, a biological male and a biological female are different. 
So it's gone mad, and the silencing has gone mad. Article. Take a look. New York Post. USA Today demoted me for a tweet because its woke newsrooms are out of touch with readers. Check this out. I was USA Today's, I'm going to skim. I was USA Today's deputy editorial page editor until August when I was demoted after I tweeted, quote, people who are pregnant are also women. Can you imagine? That idea was forbidden because a news reporter covering diversity, equity, and inclusion wrote a story detailing how transgender men can get pregnant. They can't. I compounded my sin against this new orthodoxy by calling the idea that men can get pregnant an opinion. Wasn't allowed to say that that was an opinion. Had to be fact. Had to be fact. If I wanted to keep my job or any job at USA Today, my bosses informed me I needed to delete those offensive tweets because they were causing pain to the LGBTQ activists and journalists on our staff. And this, this is the best line. I've been an opinion journalist for 30 years. I thought I was authorized to have opinions. No, you're not. You're not anymore. So this is where we're at now. You understand how this slippery slope, I always say the slippery slope is like a slip and slide now. I don't even know if that suffices because sometimes the slip and slide, I'd get on there and I wouldn't slide. This is like a water slide that's like straight up and down and there's no room to even catch up. People are like, wait a minute, what? I can't just say that that's an opinion? I can't say there's a difference between a, a man and a woman biologically? What? I can't criticize the idea of puberty blockers in children? Why? The silencing. That's why. And that's why I started out with a conversation on groupthink, and now you're getting here, because I'm trying to show that what we're doing here is really, really sick and sinister when it comes to silencing people who see the world differently, who have questions, or in some cases who are just stating facts, right? The fact that there are biological men and biological women, that's a fact. It's a fact. You don't have to like it. You could be like, I don't like that fact. You know what? I don't like a lot of facts. I don't like the fact that it's human in Florida. Do you see my hair? Do I need to bring attention to it again? Tyler's like, please, Jed, minimize attention. People won't notice if you just shh. I don't like that, but it's not gonna, I'm not going to say I don't like it, walk outside, and it's going to feel like Massachusetts air. No, it's Florida. It's Florida. And it's funny. I had a conversation with a, a very gay friend of mine, very young very young yesterday I called him and I said listen I need to talk to you he said what he's like you want me to come visit I said maybe but also I said am I missing something here with the gender tell me the truth am I being insensitive or am I missing something and he said to me these were his words no he said I'm not attracted to women I'm attracted to men women and men are different I'm not attracted to women I'm not attracted to women dressed as men. I'm attracted to men. They're different. And he just said it like that. And I just, you know, and I, I legitimately called because I was like, wait a minute, you know, am I, am I missing something where in the same way that I asked, you know, with the, the Trump stolen election, I'm like, tell, tell me what it is. And I would sit here and have a conversation with someone who sees this issue very differently, too. But we have to be able to at least acknowledge that biological men and women exist, right? There has to be some. We can't talk about the fact that, oh, planet Earth, let's make it better if we don't acknowledge it's a planet, right? There's got to be some thread of just fact that underlies all of this, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. Sanity is turning into madness. And madness is getting glorified. And sanity is getting silenced. That's what's happening. How many genders do you think there are? Just think about it. This is a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question. I'm asking the people at home. How many genders? You might say two. Maybe somebody said four. Well, no. You're all wrong, Tyler. I'm here to tell you, Jorge, too. Everyone's wrong. In fact, there are more than 150 genders. Okay. 150. Telegraph. Let's take a look. BBC staff told there are more than 150 genders and they're urged to develop a trans brand. The Telegraph has obtained material provided to radio staff by Global Butterflies, a transgender group that the BBC drafted in for training sessions last summer and autumn. Emails were sent to radio producers and program editors, some from heads of departments urging them to attend the training. During the sessions leaked to the Telegraph, staff were shown 
an array of gender-neutral pronouns they should be using, including Z, Zem, and Zares. Okay. And we're told people can self-identify themselves in over 150 ways and increasing. Huh, soon it could be 500. Staff were told they should include their pronouns in email signature boxes to be part of your trans brand as an inclusive and welcoming, brilliant show of ally support. So not only do you need to not laugh hysterically when somebody says, come on, 150 genders? I'm supposed to swallow that. Really, I'm supposed to sit here, swallow that, and just say, okay, that's, wow. That's the basis of a factual conversation. Now let's, come on, 150 genders? That's fantasy. Here we are again in the land of Oz. Not only that, though, the last part is the best part. You, too, should sign with your pronouns in the email because you have to show solidarity. So if you don't sign with your pronouns because you're like, well, uh, I'm a girl, I'm female, why, why, do I have to se- why, why do I have to tell everybody that? Like, and also, why do I need to put that in my, huh? Maybe that's you. Not good enough. You have to do it because that showcases that you are part of the cause. You're part of the cause. And if you're not part of the cause, maybe you don't keep your job. Maybe you don't keep, I'm not saying the Telegraph's going to fire people. I'm saying it happens in places. Maybe you don't keep your job. Maybe you're ostracized. Oh, do you, did you get that email? She didn't put her pronoun. She, she doesn't, she's, she's not one of us. She doesn't believe in the cause. She's a big, she's a homophobe. She's anti-trans. I mean, they'll come up with, I don't even know how many words. I don't even know. Can you say anti-trans or is trans not a thing now? Is there a better word for it? I feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow. It's going to be a better word. You're not going to be able to say trans anymore. I had a friend went to a gay pride parade in New York. Gay guy. He called me. He said, I'm not cool enough for this parade. So like, wasn't this about the gays at one point? said like everything was like trans and if you weren't talking trans you were outdated he felt out he's like I feel outdated very gay very gay always went to pride so again think about what's happening the slippery slope got slipperier maybe maybe you haven't changed your mind about that issue but now the expectation is that you will if you don't toe the new line to maximum capacity, by the way. Not even just saying, hey, I don't care what you call yourself, like, but I don't, I just don't need to put my pronoun, like, I don't want to. Nope, X, scarlet letter. And now you're gonna have a bunch of friends who get upset because you're not putting the pronouns. I actually had people upset with me because I have a tweet I wrote the other day. I don't know if you saw this. I said, if you have pronouns in your I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was like, if you have pronouns in your bios, I can't take, I can't take anything else you say seriously. I meant it. I meant it because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can call yourself whatever you want, but if you have pronouns in your bio, that tells me that, A, you just, biology ceased to matter to you. You just don't, I mean, we're just going to throw that away. Biology doesn't matter. Or you're so desperate to be included in some woke cause that you now, even though you're not trans, even though your life doesn't involve that at all, even though it doesn't affect you whatsoever, you need to put that stamp on your Twitter to be like, I'm part of the club. Don't excommunicate me. See? Sticker. Facts boosted. He, him. I can't. I just, I can't have respect for people who do that. It's hard. It's very hard for me. I'd love to have a conversation with people who feel it's important to put those things in. Let's sit down and talk about it. But it's very hard for me to take things seriously when people are so desperate. And the reason is, if you're so desperate to be part of that cause, you'll say anything. You'll say anything. Oh, I need to say that, you know, people actually walk on all fours. No, actually, we don't, but I'm walking on two legs. No, no, you're walking on all fours. You're walking on all fours. That's what I was told to say. All fours, hashtag all fours. Really, it's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. And I'm tired of being lectured. I really am. I'm tired. It even would have been fine to me with, you know, do your pronouns, do whatever you got to do. But when it became about what I need to do, you're telling me what I need to do. No, that's not going to work. So here's my invitation to all of you. Don't allow yourself to be silenced. Do not allow yourself to be silenced. I don't care what that entails. 
okay? You may lose a job. And by the way, I don't mean, you know, start screaming at everybody and saying horrible things. Don't insult people. You know, be respectful, obviously, in your discourse. But what I'm saying is you have an opinion. You have a right to say it. I know so many people in New York City that refused. They were like, oh, my God, I'm opposed to these mandates. I didn't get the vaccine, but I would never say it. They were terrified that they would lose business. They were terrified they'd be ostracized. So you know what happened? They wound up having, to, they were silent, mm, zipped up, little zippers. You know, they ever see those characters, little zippers on the mouth. Can't open it up until somebody says it's okay. And they had to sit and listen to somebody else. The vaccine is amazing. Dr. Fauci, oh my God, he's the best thing since sliced bread. He knows exactly what he's doing, even though he's taken two rounds of drugs and now had four shots and he still got COVID. They have to listen to all of this constantly. So it's like a one-way show, right? One group of people has freedom and the other are silenced because they're afraid. Don't be afraid. You cannot be afraid because if you allow yourself to be afraid to speak your mind, then the people who want to control what everybody says win. Okay? And I, this is not left, right. I don't care where, where you stand. You're a left-winger listening to this. You believe in big government. Speak your mind. Speak your mind. You're a right-winger, you believe in limited government, speak your mind. You believe in the pronoun, whatever, speak your, speak your mind. If you're one of the people out there who believe that other people should have a voice, even when they disagree with you, speak your mind. We need you. Even if you disagree with me, we need you. We need you. Our kids need you out there speaking for them. So you're going to have to make a decision. And I invite you to make the right decision. And in this case, there is a right decision. There is a right decision, and the right decision is to be on the side of freedom to speak for everyone. Let people speak. And if someone decides that they're going to cut your mic, believe me, it's been done to me many times, just lean in. Take that little mic off. Lean in to a mic like this, or talk real loud. You'll still be heard. Trust me. Go watch the view clip. I was talking real loud. (laughs) Speak up, okay? Speak up because what's happening with the group think and all that, and I know it's hard, right? You want to keep your friendships. You're like, oh, if I don't share how I feel, it'll just make everything easier. It doesn't, though. It doesn't make everything easier, I promise you, because everybody who laid down for those mandates got burned. Everyone who in the beginning said, oh, three weeks to slow the spread got burned. How do they get burned? Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Talk about a slippery slope. The Herald Sun, Tyler, this was my favorite. This is a tweet out of Melbourne, Australia, so it's not the U.S., but could easily have come out of the U.S., no joke. This is what it says. Giving your coworkers and family members the silent treatment and texting, not talking, could be the key to getting the COVID pandemic under control. Speaking just four words an hour increases the spread of COVID-19 10 times more than breathing normally. Harold's on, this is from June 21st of 2022, okay? So you did the three weeks to slow the spread. Maybe you were somebody who was like, oh, you know, stay home, stay home. You listened. You followed the orders. Maybe you even went and got the vaccine. Maybe you got the vaccine and you supported the mandate because you were like, well, yeah, they told me that it was to prevent transmission. And if you got vaccinated, you weren't going to get COVID. You told me that maybe you followed it all. What good did it do you, right? Everybody who got vaccinated got COVID anyway, and you still have the Herald Sun two years deep now telling you, we can really get it under control, guys. I swear this time, if you just stop talking. Okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is when you lay down and you're quiet and you don't ask questions when red flags pop up and you don't say, huh, hold on, I I disagree with that. I'm not going to support that, and I don't care if you don't like me at my job for saying it, but that's not right. You, you don't speak out, these people gain wind in their sails. They gain wind. What's next? What's it going to be next? Everyone should live in a little home all by themselves just in case you cough? Decide, okay? Decide about the speaking up. And also, on that note, to shift over, decide how long you want to live in this mania, Okay, this is not COVID of two years ago, because when it first struck, I get everybody was scared. We have treatments, 
We have options for people. We know a lot now. We know a lot now. You don't have to abide by this mania, okay? Also a reminder, the less free-thinking a person you are on any issue, the more ability they have to control you. And who's they? Big government, Silicon Valley, Facebook, people over at Facebook who you know study behavioral psychology to figure out how to turn you into a puppet. So you're like a vegetable looking at social media all day instead of being outside looking at that beautiful sunshine out here in, in Southern Florida. Give yourself the reality check, okay? Give yourself the reality check. Last topic of the day. And then Tyler, oh, by the way, guys, um, if you have comments, if you have questions, put them in the chat. Don't forget to hit subscribe. You know you want to, but put them in the chat as well. If you have anything at the end of the show, I'll take a couple of comments or a couple of questions about any of this. I would love, love, love to hear from the audience on this stuff. Okay. Last topic of the day. I don't know if you saw this one. This one, really. Just <laughs> my sweet spot. Do you see, who here likes Elmo, by the way? I don't. I'm not an Elmo. Were you an Elmo fan growing up? What was the Sesame Street? Did you watch Sesame Street? Never watched Sesame Street. I but hate it too. But. My daughter has a, an Elmo that you press the stomach and it says, I want to be friends and give you a hug. And you press it again and it says the same thing in Spanish. Unbeknownst to us, we thought she hit a button and had turned it to just speak only Spanish. But no, yeah, I, I find Elmo to be terrifying. Well, next thing that's going to happen, Tyler, is you're going to take that Elmo, you're going to hit a button, and it's going to say, get vaxxed. Get boosted from Elmo. Could never stand Elmo, I'm not going to lie. Elmo was not. I wasn't a Sesame Street girl. I could to- tolerate Oscar the Grouch every now and then. We had like a similar vibe going so, on. So yeah, I'd, I'd be like a grouch, for sure. Yeah, cookie monster I could identify with. Everybody likes a cookie, but right. Elmo I just couldn't get behind. There was something very annoying about him, to be honest with you. My husband liked Elmo, so... Who knows? Jeremy's probably like, what? Almost best. Not anymore, Jer. All right. So I, I head over and I check out my friends at the Blaze had this uh, column up, drew my attention to it. Elmo advertises COVID-19 vaccination for kids under five, a new PSA. Oh, how nice. Remember when Big Bird was all about the vax? Oh, <laughs> Big Bird was telling you to get the vax. Well, let's look. Sesame Street is promoting COVID-19 vaccines to children under five after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration granted emergency authorization. Because, you know, there's an emergency when it comes to kids, right? Nope. To use the Moderna and Pfizer shots in young children. Elmo, the children's show's beloved three-year-old Muppet character, received the COVID-19 vaccine in a new public service announcement released Tuesday by Sesame Workshop. In a short video, Elmo's Muppet dad, Louie, says he talked to their family pediatrician about having his son vaccinated. You believe this? I had a lot of questions about Elmo getting the COVID vaccine. Was it safe? Was it the right decision? Louie said in the PSA, I learned that Elmo getting vaccinated is the best way to keep himself, our friends, neighbors, and everyone else healthy and enjoying the things they love. So on top of it all, they lie, right? This is, this is disgusting. This is disgusting at its core, because this message, they're going to kids. This is, a, this is a decision parents make for their children, right? This is a decision that parents make with the doctor. You go to the doctor. You got your trusted doctor. You look at the stats. You look at the research. You look at the Pfizer trials. Go ahead, please, please, please look at the Pfizer trials. You look at the risks to children. There aren't any. You look at the risks and you make a decision. I'm not here to judge that decision. I will never judge that decision. That is your decision. These people went straight for your kids. What do they want, your kids, your little kid? Mommy, I want to get the shot. That's sick. That is sick. And then they lie because the vaccine doesn't, again, the vaccine does not prevent transmission. You get a vaccine, it doesn't do anything for anybody else. We have seen that time and again. Have we not at this point? They're still saying, oh, this is how you protect. This is how you protect grandma. No, it's not. Your vaccine doesn't protect grandma. Stop lying to kids. So I have a problem with this um, for obvious reasons. And I don't, I don't like marketing. I don't like big pharma marketing. Of course, this, you know, <laughs> the CDC authorized it. Maybe they took a break from, you know, drafting talking points for schools with the teachers unions or maybe that revolving door from the CDC to the FDA to uh, 
to Big Pharma just had a little pause. Maybe everyone's at lunch for a second. But I don't like this stuff targeted at kids. <coughs> I don't. I don't. I think it's disgusting. I think it's disgusting. And it's deceitful. So just keep that in mind. The reason I brought this up is because this is what happens when you don't speak your mind. This is what happens when you bow down and you say, I'm just going to shut up on the mandate. doesn't affect me, whatever. I think it's wrong, but I'm just going to shut up. This is what happens when you shut up about cartoons and Sesame Street becoming hyper-politicized and becoming machines to indoctrinate. When you're quiet, it doesn't get it doesn't get less problematic. It gets more problematic. So I'm trying, what I'm trying to do for everybody at home is remind you that your voice is powerful, that your complaints are powerful, that whether or not you choose to watch something or not is powerful, that whether you buy a ticket to a cartoon is powerful. And just as a reminder, Tyler, can you just pull up on this last topic because I refuse to let lies sit from Big Pharma. I don't play. I'm not afraid of Big Pharma, in case you didn't notice. I just want to remind you what we're talking about here. We talked the other day when it came to kids. A lot of parents that probably listen to this show. We talked the other day about kids. We talked about the Pfizer trials. They're polluted. Take a look at them. Okay, just take a look at them with your own eyes. Don't listen to me. I went over to the CDC's website and I pulled up some... uh, aspects of comorbidities and other conditions, not just when it comes to kids, okay? Not just when it comes to kids, when it comes to everybody. I want you to take a look at this. At the top, these are all the comorbidities that it lists, but at the top it says, for over 5% of these deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned on the death certificate. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, there were four additional conditions or causes per death. Do you know what that means? It's on the CDC's website. They're talking about people who died with COVID. You know, the with COVID and what that meant. Well, this is what it meant. It meant that for 95% of deaths, this is from the CDC, for 95% of deaths from COVID-19, 95%, let that sink in, there were an average of four comorbidities, not one, not two, four comorbidities in addition to COVID-19. You understand who died from this? You understand what was pushed on people for a disease where 95% of the deaths involve people with four or more comorbidities? That's not your average person walking around. Look at the comorbidities, guys. Come on. Respiratory failure, respiratory arrest, cardiac arrest, heart failure, sepsis, Obesity's on here. Couldn't talk about that. It's not, you know, makes people feel bad to talk about that. Influenza, pneumonia, chronic lower respiratory disease. Okay. And this does, this is for everybody. We also showed you a chart from Vox. Tyler, I don't know if you have that one to just remind people. I'm going to show you again because Elmo seems to be doing a job. I need to do a little bit of a different job here. That, that, that chart from Vox showed us. You have it? Yeah. Risk of COVID-19 climbing with age. And it showed all of the other things. If you scroll down, the kids were more at risk for. We talked about this last week. Automobile accidents, influenza, whole bunch of stuff. Flu, pneumonia, heart disease, okay? So here's what I'm telling you. This isn't, this isn't about COVID-19 today. Stop swallowing stuff and not speaking up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Ask your questions. Your kids are involved. This is about your nieces, your nephews, not just about you anymore. Your kids are involved. Ask your questions. You got a problem with, with big pharma making money off of, you know, oh, look, oh, Elmo. <laughs> you know what? Make a complaint. Or even better, stop watching Sesame Street. They'll feel it. They'll feel it. You got a problem with Disney? Speak your mind. You got a problem with, with people who don't want diversity of thought to survive and want to silence you? Speak your mind. You got a problem with people being silenced who are just saying there's biological men and biological women? Speak your mind. You have to speak up. You have a problem with mandates? Speak your mind. 
And just remember, they will get away with what they can. Big government, big pharma, big institutions, Hollywood. They get away with what they can. And they can get away with things because you don't resist. You don't just say, that's not going to work for me. I'm curious what would happen if everybody in the country who had a job where there was a mandate just said, well, I'm not going in. Whether you got the vaccine or not, you were like, I'm not going to comply with this type of nonsense. This is America last I checked. I'm done. Think everybody was going to get fired? No. No. But it starts with you. I can't control what everybody else does. You can't control what everybody else does. You can control what you do. So we started this show talking about groupthink. And we started this show talking about how people have a problem with you with me, with Tyler, with whoever, for sharing a different opinion. Those people are the problem. Don't be one of them. Okay, and then we trickled into why it's important to just speak your mind, regardless of whether it's trendy or cool or woke or whatever. So that's my invite to you, is at the end of the show to think about those things. And maybe there's somebody in your life who feels differently from you about politics Maybe it's, it's time to just have a conversation and, and have a lunch. It doesn't have to be contentious. It doesn't have to be angry, screaming. It can just be like, hey, I'm curious how you feel about this. Did you ever think about this? Or, of course, it has to be with somebody who's open to it. But that's a step in the right direction. Maybe it's time for you to say, this is how I feel about something. I'm going to be respectful, but I'm not going to be afraid to say it on whatever that is. And maybe that's a step in the right direction for you as well. Maybe your kid notices and says, hmm. My dad or my mom, that's a good lesson. I'm going to do that too. If there's ever a time when I'm in school and I feel a certain way, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to be brave. Trickles out. You're very, very powerful. You have a very, very, very big capacity to make a difference. And don't let anyone, anywhere, tell you that you don't. Tyler, did we get any comments to share? We have a few. Uh, Tony said, hey, Jed, I just subscribed to your channel and love the content. Do you believe if the federal government keeps dumping money into the market, it will cause a lot more damage in the future for the U.S.? Do I believe? Mm -hmm. Well, listen, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for that's a question that truthfully, I'm going to say it, Tyler. You know, I'm going to say it. That's a question for PBD. (laughs) Listen, I am not a financial expert. Do I think it's going to cause a problem? Yes, but I can't give you the intricacies of the answer to that question. But PBD can, and I am going to be joining. That's a good segue. I'm going to be joining PBD tomorrow on his podcast in the morning. Hopefully, they're not going to be talking about too much finance because, you know, get a little lost in space, not going to lie. But we should ask him that. We're going to actually, you know what? We are going to ask him that. I'm going to carry that over and I'm going to see what he has to say about it because yes, the answer is yes, it will be a problem. I can answer that part, but I think he would best be able to delineate why for you. Tyler maybe can too. I don't know. Tyler, you fancy yourself financial expert on the side? Uh, no, <laughs> no, but I think it's fairly obvious that when the United States government prints 40% of their entire worth in a year and pumps it into the economy, it's going to overheat the economy and there's yeah. going to be there's going to be repercussions for that. Obviously. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what they are and how it manifests and how fast it manifests. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if there's long-term stuff. This is a good time. Thank you. This is John. I don't know if you said John. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for that because it's a good lead off for tomorrow. And there's Adam as well. There's one more. Jake Thomas earlier we were talking about the genders. I think this is a really interesting question. He said we get that this is all BS. The question is why is this happening? What's the goal? So I think that the goal is, first of all, to shrink people into this subservient, whatever the cause of the moment is, I have to follow, like forget fact versus fiction, blur everything. But I think, I think there's a bigger goal of kind of removing reality. Like if, you, if, if nothing is factual, then everything is subjective. Right. This is kind of the same argument I, I feel oftentimes when people say, oh, the Constitution needs to be living and breathing. What does that mean? What does that mean? Nothing stands for anything. So everything is just kind of malleable and it's kind of like waxy. And so I think there's a goal of just compliance 
I think there's also a big pharma goal when it comes to some of the gender stuff. Big pharma makes a ton of money, by the way, off of these drugs, particularly, you know, puberty blockers and gender reassignment drugs. They make a ton of money, a ton. So I think there's a lot of push from the pharmaceutical industry behind the movement. Um, And I think this new, like, how you feel is what is, is trendy, but also depletes the foundation of everything factual. Like if you wanted to just rip the factual rug out of everything and kind of live in this idyllic whatever, that's how you do it. Um, And I think that also it's kind of like a mind manipulation, right? Think about, think about like the things that you see now and you're like, wow, 10 years ago, I would have been like, what? But it's like this gradual kind of like mind manipulation of like, you, you don't resist this, this, and this, and suddenly you wake up and it's like you're in the midst of an earthquake. So I think the, I think the answer and the way that you combat stuff like this is to just, facts are fact, like they exist, right? Some stuff is just factual, and it's not about your feelings. People were upset. You know, I put a story up over the weekend when I was sick. The abortion ruling came in, the Roe v. Wade decision, and I put up something. And I just said, it's, it's not about your feelings. This is not about your feelings. This is about something that was, it was, it was just legally bad, and it was now made better. It's going to return to the states. And, and how you feel about it is, is not what should have made this decision be yes or no. So I think it's going to be a battle. I think we're, we're embarking on a time where there's going to be a pretty big battle between the facts and people who want certain facts to be upheld and people who would love for society to just be in a constant state of feeling and fear and kind of this like a wavy kind of, it is what I think it is. It's raining, but I think it's sunny, so it's sunny. Um, and, and just that, by the way, all of that is a society that, that's very easy to control because they're not grounded in anything. If you're not grounded in anything, you're just float, you're floating, right? So when somebody bosses you around or tells you this or that or this is the new cause, okay. You know, and I think it's important too, just to close with this. People need to realize that there's a large segment of the population that would be very comfortable folding into a brave new world. They would just fold right in. It'd be like, oh, there's a line for like happy pills that I'm supposed to take. Okay. You know, oh, this is what I'm, they would just fold right in. They're not all bad people, by the way, either. But they're not people that are inclined to resist, to ask, to resist authority, to question. Um, And that's a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big, big problem, especially when you have powers that be that, have paid very close attention the last two years to what they've been able to get away with under the guise of you should be afraid, so we're going to take this away from you and we're going to dictate this. And there's way too many people willing to just say, okay. But just know that. Know it and decide you're not going to be it. That's how you get around that. We're good. Thank you guys for joining us today. First day back after that bug. (sighs) The bug is gone. I will see you back here Friday. Probably be a Hot Topics day. And pretty soon we're going to announce our first guest. We have our first guest booked. Our first guest is going to be here on July 12th. He's a doctor. He takes no shit. It's going to be interesting. You are not going to want to miss it. We'll see you back here Friday at 1 p.m.